And welcome to a brand new edition of the Goshen News Sports Podcast. Austin Huff, sports editor here with you with recurring guest Tony Miller. Uh, Tony, you do anything this weekend? Um, something's fairly similar to what you did, I think. Yes. Um, I, I think I did a little more work than you, Probably personally. true. Uh, no offense. I would hope that was true. Yeah, just You were a getting little. paid for it, I wasn't? Yeah, no, you got to sit, we both got to sit courtside. You actually had a better seat than me. I'm jealous. Yeah, well, it was a 19-point game. You saw it pretty well uh, the same as I did. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Um, but then you were closer for the one that, that we're going to lead the show with, I think. Yes, yeah, I was, I was closer for the one that we will talk about first. Um, if you have been blissfully unaware of what's going on in the... Goshen high school sports world scene. Um, we had two, two, two girls basketball teams play in state championship games this past Saturday at Gainbridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, and we had one of them win a state title. The first ever sports state championship in Fairfield High School history, junior-senior high school history, correction. Um, the Falcons... Are 3A girls basketball state champions. They beat Corden Central 49 to 42. And let me tell you, if you love defense and you love free throws, that was the game for you. It was not perhaps the most exciting offensive explosion in the world, but if you are a fan of fundamental basketball, I should say I would say you should follow that Fairfield team, but their season's over now. But their season is over and they have a very big trophy. Because they did some very basic things very, very well. Yes. Um, they made 10 total field goals in the game. 10 of 36 for the field. And they won by seven, by the record. And it didn't feel that close, honestly, for a lot of the second half. Corden Central made 15 shots. I believe they missed 23 three-pointers. They went three of 23 from the three-point line. Yes. Or three of 26 Sorry, 3 of 26, and they didn't make any in the second half. That's insane. Um, Hard to come back when you literally make zero three-point shots. Yes. So how did Fairfield win this game? Well, as we kind of alluded to, they play really good defense, and they made their free throws, which is funny because when I was growing up, my dad, he always would say, rule number one in life is always make your free throws, and he's like drilled that into my head. And it's, like, it's not just for basketball, but like, you know, your free throws of life, right? Like showing up, doing, you know, the things that you need to do, the easy things. Do the little things well and the big things fall into place. Right. It's, it's, a, it's actually a pretty good quote, all things considered. Right, since right. it worked out so, so well for your basketball career. Yeah, you know me. I, I think the only thing I did well on a basketball court was actually shoot free throws, for what it's worth. I can see um, that. Yeah, it requires no running. Um, but anyway, as Fairfield went to the free throw line again and again and again and again on Saturday night, all I could think about was my dad telling me, <laughs> rule number one, always make your free throws. Uh, and Fairfield made 25 of them. A state record, the 3A level, a state record 25 makes, a state record 35 attempts uh, for a game at the 3A level. And then they also, given that Corden decided to shoot 13 free throws, they combined for a 3A record 48 free throw attempts in the game. That's why it went one hour and 37 minutes, along with media timeouts, which don't exist in normal games. Yeah. And then usually we don't complain about that, but I I thought honestly that media timeouts might give teams a chance to make some adjustments and 
sort of increase the chance of comeback since you get more time to talk things over on the bench. Right. Um, it didn't really make much of a difference in that 3A game because, like I said, Corridan Central literally didn't hit a three-point field goal in the second half. And I was up actually in the Corridan Central section or above the Corridan Central section for that game and because that's where the tickets were. And yes. I um, up there, I think the story of the game was probably the refs. But at the same time, when you spend as much time in and around the basket – not in the basket, near the basket, as Fairfield does. You force the referees to make decisions. You force the other team to guard you. And Corridan Central did not do a great job of proverbially keeping them their hands to themselves. Yes. Um, it was a really interesting game overall. The first half, seven lead changes, two ties, back and forth, second quarter. Uh, Fairfield led by a 14-13 score at the end of the first quarter. Then they played even in the second quarter, so they were up 25-24 going into halftime. And it was like, man, this is a slugfest. Both teams trading baskets, like here we go. And then no offense, really, in the second half in terms of made shots. I mean, Fairfield made three shots in the second half. Corden made six in the second half, one in the third quarter. They went one to ten in the third quarter. Fairfield outscored them only seven to two, like – Corton had to be feeling somewhat okay about themselves. They had the worst quarter maybe of their season, and they were only down six going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, but that's a stifling defense to try to come back against. I right. mean, Fairfield, they, they finished the year. I know they were number one in the state in scoring defense going into the game. They gave up a few more. They gave up like the fifth most points of their season, and it was still 42. Right, and uh, I think they probably still finished number one yeah. given – Lanesville, we'll talk about them, gave up 41 points. Corden scored 42. So, you know, Fairfield was a tenth of a point ahead of Lanesville in the overall defensive allowed. So they're probably stayed the same or yeah. tied, technically. Right. It's uh, Those two teams were, were one and two in the state in defense, and they played like it on Saturday. Right. And, uh, and like, still gave up 13-plus points over their average, yeah. and, but still played really good defense. Right. And, I mean, one of the reasons they were able to do that was it wasn't, like we said, it wasn't the world's greatest offensive showdown, but they did score on the other end. They didn't give up all that many free possessions where you're running 60 feet back up the court. It's also a longer court at the state finals, which I think is weird. You're playing the most important game of the year on a different sized court than you have been playing all year. Mm-hmm. But they didn't consult my opinion when they made that decision, and I don't think yeah. it's going to change because we've been doing that for a very long time in this state. And as you may know, people were kind of touchy when we tried to make changes to the state basketball tournament. You got an entire column out of that a couple of weeks I, ago. I actually am wondering if um, – so they had the NBA three-point line on the court I think, too. I, I wonder it, if that messed with people. I think it was not the NBA three-point. I think it was the college – Was the, it? The farther college three-point line. Was it? But it, it cert- looked like the NBA line. Whatever it was, it was farther back than the 19 foot nine inch high school line. Right. And yes, that definitely messed with. I mean, Corden Central took 26 three point shots. That's what one every minute and 20 seconds or so. Right. Um, of their 49 attempts, 26 were from three. Right. And I think that that has a bigger impact on how they lost that game than whatever the refs may or may not have called for Fairfield. Mm-hmm. Because it was, I mean, Fairfield is, they're so long, they're so fundamentally sound, they don't leave holes on defense, that it was like Corridan completely abandoned the concept of getting inside and driving to the basket. Right. For comparison's sake, Fairfield took 36 shot attempts, so 13 less than Corridan, only made 10. 
They were four of 13 from three, so they made more threes than Corden on almost half, literally half the attempts. Um, obviously, the free throws, 25 to nine, or 25 to, yeah, 25 to nine, and made uh, free throw attempts. That's 16 points. That's, that's the game right there. Um, turnover, points off turnovers, 17 to six advantage for Fairfield. That was also important. Um, yeah, and Bria Garber also set another state record for most free throws made in a 3A game, 13 of 15 from the line, 19 total points, um, mental attitude award winner. have to mention that. I was going to say, if, you, if you're court in central, you got to feel pretty good about holding Bria Garber to, to, to three field goals. Yeah. It didn't matter. Right. More, and, like, Morgan Gothrop, Shout out her, by the way. 13 points, 12 rebounds. A double-double in the state championship yeah. game. Also, for Corden, Ava Weber, 23 points, right. 13 rebounds. She probably she was probably actually the most impressive player of the game just because right. she was kind of the only person that that was having success for Corden, so they had to keep going back to her. And, yeah. and she had some three-point plays in the fourth quarter that were a pretty big factor in making that game as close as it was. Right. She had a three-point play that actually led to Bria Garber following out. Yes. 44-40. Um, Fairfield came back down, missed two free throws, and then she had a pretty open look for three, and to, that could have made it a one-point game, and it and fell short. Mm-hmm. Um, air ball, as the youth would might say, it was an air ball, um, and that really, I mean, that was it. There was two moments in that fourth quarter where Corden probably felt really good that they were about to cut the deficit to one with the ball in the air. It was that play at forty-four forty. And then at 40 to 36, they had a three-pointer that actually went in, but it was wiped out for an offensive foul. And looking at the replay, it was the correct call. They did set a moving screen, like the girl who passed the ball then kind of ran into a Fairfield player. That's a foul. You can't kind of run into somebody. You either do or you don't, and she did. Yeah, and so Corden fans saw the ball go through the net, though. That was painful. They thought it was a one-point game, and it wasn't. Yeah. Um, So... There was a there was two moments there where it was like if those shot if that first one counts or if the second one goes in, there's probably an oh bleep moment for Fairfield fans being like, We're gonna are we gonna lose this? Is this gonna yeah. slip? It always stayed like it got to three points at thirty eight thirty five, but it never really was like Oh my God, Corden's on the brink of taking the lead. Right. They, I mean, it never got, I think, closer than that three point margin. Right. Three in the fourth quarter was the closest it got. And so, while Corden had the ball, it was always a case of, okay, if they score, they get within one or two, and then they give Fairfield the ball back. And Fairfield, I wish we had, uh, I don't think we have uh, basketball state on the high school state finals yet, you know, in terms of like offensive efficiency and points per possession. But, it was like it didn't always get in the ball didn't always get in the basket by the same method as we've talked about but there were not a lot of empty possessions and especially not a lot of one possession trips down the floor or one mm-hmm. shot trips down the floor for the falcons yeah um so of all that being said fairfield is state champs um it was a pretty amazing atmosphere saturday night yeah. a lot of fairfield fans a lot of cordon central fans too right. can't can't not shot them out as well yeah that was those were two communities that, that definitely showed out for their team uh it was good to see the the Fairfield team there for the Bethany game the Bethany team I was outside when they went in for the the 3A game and they got a nice cheer from the Fairfield fans sticking around it's like 
you're at the state finals. You can't not take that atmosphere in. Right. Uh, one of the, this was my first trip to Gainbridge Fieldhouse actually for anything. So my first trip to the state finals as well. And one of the things that was clear about that versus some other folks talking about how their state associations do things is like we didn't fill Gainbridge Fieldhouse on Saturday. Right. No, but we definitely, I mean, we filled it to the point there are only so many venues in the state that could host this sort of thing. And the IHSAA and the Fieldhouse both definitely take that event seriously. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it wasn't a 15,000-person sellout by any means, but, I mean, that 3A game, there had to have been four or 5,000 people there, at least. Right, and then you added... You know that they were getting that lower bowl was getting close to full for the like was the three A game ended right. the four A game started right when the B, the Bedford North Lawrence and Fishers right. fans were filling in their corners it was it looked pretty awesome by the end of the game none so. of those four schools all that close to each other you had some crossover like Fishers and Forest Park not that far apart Fairfield and Bethany pretty close uh, Court and Central and Lanesville pretty close but all of those were a team playing in the morning and a team playing in the evening mm-hmm. which may have meant some decent business for the uh, local businesses I know you and I saw a good number of Fairfield fans mm-hmm. uh, eating in between games yes um, but I guess they would have probably eaten anyway it's just they were doing it at an Indianapolis based establishment as opposed to like in their cars um, yes and um no, I mean, people showed up, you know, you, the reason this is at Gainbridge Fieldhouse is that it wouldn't fit at whatever they're calling the Coliseum at the fairgrounds that only seats 6,000 people. Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. Well, that one's in Fort Wayne. Hinkle Fieldhouse. Yeah. What are we talking about? The No, the what's the, the state fairgrounds Coliseum like where the hockey team plays? I have no idea. Okay. To be perfectly honest. Yeah. The Indy Fuel, not a regular topic of discussion on the Goshen News Sports Podcast? No. Okay. But I think that seat's about... I mean, that's come up before at... Like, that's where the Horizon League plays their conference tournament here next week. And that that's a, a cool atmosphere when you get four college teams in there and you can fill up a six or 7,000-seat gym. But you need something bigger than that for the state final. And Allen County, I mean... The Coliseum in Fort Wayne would be big enough to host a state final. It has hosted state finals. It's just in Fort Wayne. Right, right. Which would make it more convenient for us, but much less convenient for the entire southern half of the state. Yes, yes. Hey, the state wrestling tournament might be there next year, so we'll see. Who or knows? Evansville. I, the, the, we can say one thing. Uh, we can say two things about the location of the state wrestling tournament next year. Number one, it won't be at Gainbridge Fieldhouse because they have NBA All-Star Weekend. And number two, wherever it is, Regardless of how much sense it makes, people will complain about it. Yes. I hope that Steve didn't show up in the podcast, by the way. Uh, 15-minute mark. Austin sneezes. I try to turn down my mic as much as possible. I don't know if that came in. I apologize. I just wanted to say um, this is awesome for Fairfield, obviously. Congratulations to everyone involved, but it's it was really hard not to feel... Something for the Garber family. Yes. Saturday night when they're all standing there at center court. There's Brody, his wife, Amy, daughter, Bria, three of the best players, not just in Fairfield history, but Elkhart County history. Yeah. Who have bled the blue and white and gold. Gold? Yeah. Gold. Of Fairfield for literal decades. And there they are at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Winning the state championship, right. winning the mental attitude. Like, that was an awesome moment to take in. And I 
I think as someone, I, I know I'm not from this area originally, but I've been here now. This is my fifth basketball season. So I was here right after they lost to semi-state. So their first year back, they had, you know, Bria wasn't even in high school. They were awful. They were they went like 6-16 six and because they had everyone graduate. And their best player that was a freshman moved to Idaho. So, like, that didn't help their cause either. Um, not just moved, but yeah, moved to Idaho. Idaho. Of all states. Right. So, like... I kind of saw them at their lowest in that sense, like in that regard, worst yeah. season, and now I've been able to see them at their best. Yeah. And literally every year they got better, they went farther in the tournament, and they capped it off with the state championship. Um, it's, it's just hard not to feel like this just great feeling for that family and everything that they've put into this, and they, they finally got that ultimate reward for all the hard work. Right. It's. I mean, the other thing that that does – is now you've got a generation of little Falcons yes. in southeastern Elkhart County that have gro- grown up and they have seen their team play at Gainbridge Fieldhouse. And, I mean, that Fairfield's going to graduate a lot off this team. That's a little bit unfortunate looking at next year. But we'll also cross that bridge for next year when we get there because there's mm-hmm. there's more than a few people in that pipeline uh, ready to make an impact. Um, but you, I mean... You've been there, you've seen it, you've got something to strive for now. Right. It's not just something, oh, it would be, it's not something you just talk about. Like, you know it's possible now. You've seen it. Well, you're too oh, nice. And that helps every other sport at Fairfield, too, because they've been close before in, in volleyball, most notably. Baseball went to a semi-state under Brody Garber. Um, softball was in the Final Four a couple years ago. Lost to a generationally great pioneer team. Nothing mm-hmm. to be ashamed of there. Um, like, they, they now know, okay, we can win the big one. We're not just a school that makes it to Final Four, Final Eight, right. happy to be here kind of thing. Like, no, we can go and we can win this thing on the state's biggest stage. Yes. So that's what helps helps not just the future, but it, even this year. Like, I know the baseball team is going to have a lot of talent coming back from a team that won sectional last year. Um, and now they, now they tangibly know it is possible to win a state title at Fairfield. So uh, it would also be kind of fitting if they won because Darren Kaufman, the head baseball coach, his wife, Lindsay, an assistant coach on the girls' basketball team. So the Kaufmans versus the Garbers for family brand supremacy in Fairfield this, this spring. Coming to, a fee, coming to a new baseball field near you. Yeah, that'll be uh, that would be an interesting. Uh, I don't know how you you go head to head in that, but I don't know. They're two different sports, but uh, that is a problem the Fairfield community would gladly take. <laughs> yes. Okay, we've talked a lot about Fairfield. Let's talk about Bethany Christian. They were playing in the state championship also on Saturday, the one A game, first game of the day, ten thirty a.m. Um, losing to a really, really, really good Lanesville team, sixty to forty one. Uh, before we dive deep into the game, Tony, I just want your perspective. You know, you've been in this area your whole life, Bethany Christian alum, cheering for this school. Uh, what were the emotions like just being there Saturday morning, getting to watch your school play for a state title, which has never happened before? A, you've got, I mean, you feel like you're playing with house money the moment you step foot into like the regional because, I mean, this was a Bethany team. They had won a couple of sectional. I'm sorry, this is a Bethany program going back to the beginning of 1A basketball. They've won a couple of sectionals. They'd never so much as won the first regional game when it was a two-game regional. So you feel like you're playing with house money at 
at that point and, and getting all the way to the state finals. I mean, that is, I just about like yelled from the sideline in the fourth quarter that like Mm -hmm. nobody can take this experience away from you. Even if you had gone to state and lost by 50 number two or B, I forget how I set that up. Um, that's that's fine. Um, (laughs) secondly, um, we saw a lot of good 1A schools this year. I mean, Bethany, Fort Wayne, Blackhawk in the sectional semifinal round. I mean, one of those teams didn't get to play for a sectional final, and they were both ranked in the 1A top 10 uh, during the year. Then, you, I mean, you had the, the regional game. You had a couple of Washington Township and Tri in the semi-state. We saw a lot of good sort of 2 through 10 1A programs this year. Mm-hmm. Lanesville was probably eight to ten points better than anybody any other 1A team I saw. Lanesville could have won two A. Yeah, Lanesville maybe was, even three. Like Lanesville would have held and th- held up in three A. Right, Lanesville. I you know I stuck around for the the Forest Park Lapel game, which was probably the best game I saw in the sense that it came down to that was a great a three pointer at the end. Although it did feature somebody blowing her ACL forty three seconds. Yeah, I saw the picture of the, her being carried off. I didn't see it. Thank God. Yeah, that you were back in the media room. working. Thank God. Yes, um, but. Uh, that was probably the closest game of the day, and honestly, to this day or to this moment, I I don't know what happened in the four A game because I was coming home. Bedford North Lawrence won by four over Fishers. It hey, was forty. Nor- it was tied at forty two. Go with like a couple minutes left, and then BNL hit some shots and won the game. BNL state champions. Hey, have we ever made anybody sore talking about that in uh, Northern Indiana before? Fifth fifth girls basketball state title in the in the multi class era. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they've never done anything to an Elkhart County team before. Never. It- it was a charge. It was. Um, <laughs> um, talking about the, the... Yes, we know what we were talking about. Yes. I think everyone knows what we're talking there about. There were 41,000 people there that day. That's, Google it. That's still Google ridiculous. Uh, anyway, but 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 just the last point that I want to make about that is it's the, I mean, the same thing that we were just talking about with, with Fairfield, with Court and Central. This is, you know... Going to the state championship and losing. It's farther than you've ever been before. It's farther than Bethany's been in any sport before as well. They won a couple of mythical coaches poll championships in boys soccer in the 70s before there was a state tournament. But they've, it was the first time they had ever played for a state championship. And the reality is, yeah, that's a team that's going to graduate a decent number of role players. But Zoe Willems and Mariah Stolzfus both coming back. I think there's a reasonable likelihood that Lanesville and Bethany start next year 1-2 and two in Class 1A. Yes. So, the game itself... Um, was less interesting. Yeah, it was pretty obvious a couple minutes in, like, this was it was going to go a certain way. Um, Lanesville was just big. I mean, they had a 6-1 girl in the starting lineup, and when they brought her off the court, they put another 6-1 girl in there. Um, I mean, eight, Morgan Sonner, 8 of 11 shooting... Um, Shelby Allen, four of four. So they're two six one girls when it combined twelve of fifteen from the field. Pretty good stuff. They combined for twenty nine of their points. Um, you know, it, anytime Bethany Christian seemed to get a little momentum, let's just dump it to the six one girl, and they got a layup, and that right. was it. Or if she missed, she'd get the rebound and she put it back in. Like that right. was. There it was, was yeah. a couple of possessions early on. It felt like they were playing volleyball against the, yeah, the goal. Yeah, throwing it off the, old, <laughs> doing it the old the mic ball. and drill. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, their all-state candidate, Lindsey Werner, she was also 6-10 from the field. They shot 25 of 45. It's pretty good, 55%. Um, but I want to say this about Bethany Christian. It got to 22 points. Lanesville was up 22, uh, less than two minutes into the second sec, – Less than two minutes into the third quarter, it was a 22-point game. 
And at that moment, it could have easily gone away. Yes. Could have easily gotten out of hand. Could have been a 30-point game, 35-point game. Bethany Christian, the next eight minutes of game time, cut it to 12. Stolzfus made an NBA three. I'm calling it an NBA three. I don't care what that line actually is. Oh, it is. was an NBA three regardless of what the lines on the floor I'm calling it an NBA three. Um, they played better. They, they, they forced more turnovers. They kind of hunkered down. They were aggressive. They got into the penalty with two minutes left in the third quarter. They were making their free throws. Like, they could have easily given up, and they didn't. And that's been the embodiment of this team the entire postseason run. They just ran into a better team, and that happens sometimes. Right. My mom texted at halftime, basically, I hope they don't give up in the second half. Yeah. And that was that could not have been farther from what they did. Uh, it was like, I mean, coming out of halftime, you got the old everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face moment because we all need more Mike Tyson quotes in our lives. Yes. Um, and then... A couple minutes after that, it was like the, the switch flipped on the Bethany sideline. And they're like, oh, yeah, we were good enough to get to the state finals. Let's play like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, the hole was big enough that that there really wasn't much of a... I mean, the songbooks had long been passed in in terms of who was winning and losing. But it was a day that, that showed up. And what did Mariah talk about in the postgame? They're the 16th smallest school in the state. You would yes. not have noticed that yes. based on the number of people that showed up. I saw, you know, you saw... Posts on, on Facebook from the alumni that were coming back. I saw KP's old college teammates driving down from Rochester to, to cheer for her. Um, did hear from another coach actually in the Crossroads League that that found your story on Coach Parson and her two nep- nephews that she has now adopted uh, and said that was really well done. And Thank you to that person. Yes. Of course, this person I think has also been around long enough that they probably coached against KP when she was in college. <laughs> uh, so... And I, I would have to say that Coach Parson is one of those people that what you get the first time you meet her and what you get when you've known her for 20 years, pretty much the same thing. Yes. Um, but, I mean, they got that far. They got manhandled, but they gave it everything that they had and they did not give up. Yeah, and Zoe Willems said that afterwards too, just about we we didn't give up. We, we still fought, even in the second half. You know, they were down, what, uh, 16 at halftime. Right. And and then it was 22 again right away. Right. Like less than two minutes in. You pretty much knew coming out of halftime that their only chance to come back in the game was to do what Lanesville ended up hitting them with. Get three or four scores and three or four stops. Right. Um, And that didn't happen. But among other things, Zoe broke a 35-year-old scoring record on Saturday. She's scored the most points of any player in a single season in Bruin history. It's actually brave history because it goes back to before Bethany changed its nickname. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jill Troyer scored 477 in 1988 and Zoe Williams finished with 480. And I I looked over at her dad, the principal, uh, who was about three seats down from me and I said, you know, she got the record and she's like, yeah, I'd trade it for about 15 more team points right now. Uh, I'm like, I'm pretty sure Zoe would too, but that doesn't mean it's not worth anything. Right. Um, So yeah, again, Tremendous season for Bethany Christian, twenty four and four. Um, they're it's weird because like they were good all year, and they you know like it shouldn't be a Cinderella run that they like no. people think of it as because they were t- they were nineteen and three going into the tournament. It wasn't <laughs> like they were you know eleven and eight or whatever, like twelve and ten. Like they were good, right? They were good. They were ranked in the top ten. And I said this last week to when Brody and Kristen were here, like. That Fairfield loss at the end of the season, I think, kind of like took away some of the shine because they yeah. got manhandled. And by 
obviously the three A state champions, right. like a really good team. Um, but it was like, man, Bethany Christian like lost by twenty four in their final game, and now they're gonna play Blackhawk, and uh, I don't know. So it's that a, made it feel a little bit like a Cinderella run, right? It was it was Cinderella ish in the sense that they had to come back and beat Blackhawk. They had a they were trailing for the first ten minutes against Tri County. They trailed going into the fourth against Washington Township, and they were trailing in the fourth quarter against um, Tri. So in that regard, four of their five postseason wins, they were down like at critical points of the game or it was tied. Like There was some Cinderella-ish magic in the sense of the comebacks, yeah. but they were still a really good team, and I think we, sh- we can't lose sight of that. Like They were 24-4. They were and four. And who were those four losses to? Um, obviously, the 1A state champs, Lanesville, the 3A state champs, Fairfield, and two teams Fairfield beat, or Central Noble, who was a semi-state uh, finalist, so Final Four team in 2A, and then Highland, who Fairfield beat in the regional. So four sectional champions. and like, Three regional champions. Three regional champions, right. Like, really, really good losses. Yeah. A-plus losses. That's what Kristen... Parson said all year was like, we've won every close game. Like, basically, their only losses were to real, like, just teams that were better than them. Yes. And that's just a fact. And that's one thing that I think helped them get through, like, the semi state against Try. I think in a seven game series, Try yeah. probably wins that. But it's not a seven game series. It comes down to one game, it comes down to a close game. And Try had not seen a whole lot of that this year. And right. Bethany had. Uh, and Mariah Stolzfus made 21 free throws that day. Speaking of yeah. do the little things in life and the big stuff falls into place. Um, but the other um, the other thing that I'm thinking about there is that... Oh, it just escaped me. This is why podcasts... Great, great are, audio, ta- yes. Tony. Yes. Yeah. I, I was definitely thinking of something. And it'll come back to me three points down, later down the rundown. And, yeah, And it won't fine. make any sense then. But when that's has fine. that ever stopped me? No, nothing. Nothing ever stops you, Tony. I, I don't know if anything can. Oh, I think something can, yes. Okay. Um, so, yeah, for my money, um, and I said, I've said this on my Facebook page, but um, I think Saturday was probably the biggest day I've had. Like, personally, I'm just yeah. going to take a personal aside here for a minute. The biggest day I've had in my journey, my Goshen News tenure, was Saturday. Just yeah. given all of the stakes... Um, yes. And the fact that we got a winner. Like, if both teams had lost, that would have been really depressing. Would have. Um and, and it would have been Harrison County having eternal bragging rights over Elkhart County. Because when do those counties ever face each other in anything except state finals? Yeah. Um, so that would be, that'd be tough. Actually, um, I, I did think of what I was going to say. Okay. Um, and that was, I mean, one thing that the, one thing the Bruin roster did really well this year was to, to borrow a boxing term, they punched above their weight. I mean, this is a team that in a sport that is defined by height, you have two starters on that roster that are Eva Horning, who is five listed at five foot, and Mariah Stolzfus, who is listed at five three. And we all know how accurate listed heights are. Yes. Um, and I mean that was yeah. You got started getting into some of those higher levels, and I think you we we had sort of this Elkhart County Media Summit at Five Guys after the game. On, we did unintentionally. Unintentional, right? Yeah. I was walking down there, and I think I'm like, hey, I think that's Austin. And then 10 minutes later, a couple of guys from one of the other local publications showed up. Um, and I think both of you talked about, you've got this photo of Mariah going in to defend somebody. And 
there's probably one yeah. of the six one girls. On she's the... trying to pass the ball oh, okay. on the baseline, and as she's leaping to pass the ball, there's six foot one girl, right, like, with a hand in her face, literally in her face, right, and. Like what is Mariah supposed to do? And there? it's I mean the the, analo- the analogy I made then and I haven't come up with a better one is it looked like a horse and a gnat. <laughs> That's about um, it. That's about and, it. And I mean it's like okay, you're gonna lose that particular showdown. But you still got there and had that showdown. Yeah. That's more than a lot of people. That's more. I mean, there are 407 member schools in the IHSAA. 399 of them were not at Gainbridge Fieldhouse on Saturday. Yeah. No. It is. Yeah, it's hard to. It can be hard sometimes with how that game went. Although, it can be hard to realize how great the season was when it ends like that. But in a weird way, like I think Bethany Christian fans are having a lot easier time coping with what happened as opposed to Lapel. Yes, they lost that on a shot with six seconds left in the game, back and forth. They had it. They had it won, and then they didn't. Right. right? Bedford North Lawrence or not? But Fishers lost by four. It was tie game late. Right. Gordon Central, you know, like you would rather have played a close game for the record. But in terms of coping with the loss and recognizing how great the season was, you probably are okay. Like it's a little easier to do it when it's like we just lost to a better team. We just lost to a better team. Right. Back. You got to start coping about halfway through the first quarter. Right. It was, it was, yeah. So um, what a weekend. What a day for hoop dreams. Um, and then, yeah, that was that was that was it. Ba- girls' basketball season is over. Uh, we'll talk about boys' basketball tournament here quickly or a little bit after I run through the boys' swimming uh, state tournament was also this past weekend, also in Indianapolis. Don't run through a state a swim meet. You can slip on the deck. It's dangerous. I yeah, I've never ran. Um, if I had brought my camera, I probably would have. Tried to go over there. But then you would have had to pay for parking again. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been tough. Um, Lucas Bird, Elkhart, senior, uh, had a great day. He was runner-up in the 100-yard breaststroke, uh, time of 54.84 seconds, lost by .15 to Adam McCurdy from Fort Wayne Carroll. That's close. Uh, That's tough. I watched the video. He was leading... For the first half of the race, and then he just got caught at the end. That's right. tough. Um, and then he finished third in the 50-yard freestyle with a time of 20.59 seconds. So, uh, pretty good career. He's going to IU. Pretty good, uh, you know, career. Elkhart had a similar similar type finishes at state last year too. Um, so, and then yeah, I mean, other than that, like. Top eight, the only other top eight finish really that we had was Cole Stevenson, a Concord sophomore, 100-yard breaststroke, same event as Bird. Um, he was sixth, 55.91 seconds. Um, everyone else that scored points for our coverage area teams, they were in the teens, right, the 10th maybe. Um, Sawyer Lehman for Northridge was 10th in the 200 IM. Um, Carmel won. In other news, the sun rose in the east this morning. Yeah. Um, ninth year in a row. Only nine in a row for the boys. 36 in a row for the girls. Or 37. Right. Those. The last year that Carmel forgot to win girls' swimming state finals, my parents were not yet married. Uh, yeah. Same here. My parents... I mean, it was close. It would be later that summer, but... My parents didn't know each other. Okay. That's... Yeah. 
It's yeah. been a while. Yeah. Oh, my parents were my parents definitely didn't know each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a weird aside. But yes. Um, so if you want to see the full results of how all of our guys did, it's on our website, goshenews.com. It's kind of in the middle of all the girls' basketball content because it was it ended just in time in between the two games. Yep. So I typed it up in between both games. Sure. And you then could, yeah. You could say it's the Chewy Nougat Center with the caramel all over the place. Yeah, sure. Um, it was just smack dab in the middle of all the basketball and uh, all the other content from the weekend. So, uh, okay. Uh, Hoosier Hysteria. I mean, we've been doing Hoosier Hysteria. Now we get to do the other Hoosier Hysteria. The male version of Hoosier Hysteria. It starts tonight, Tuesday night, February 28th, the year of our Lord, 2023. Whew. All right. Here we were we just go. talking about before we started. It's weird because, believe it or not, most teams in the state do not get to state. Yes. I just said 399. State, state finals. Right. 399 out of the 407 member schools in the IHSAA not playing girls basketball on Saturday. We had two of the eight that were. So usually you get the girls tournament, it kind of dies down, fizzles out. And then you get a break, and then the boys tournament starts. And here we had about 72 hours to turn it around. Give or take. Um,. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> it's like that fun moment. And Fairfield did their celebration on Sunday, so it was like, oh yeah, like so I and pretty much had yesterday off Monday. And that was about it. I still came in for a few hours because we're planning on some big fun stuff to do with more Fairfield related content. More on that later. Um, trying to figure out everything, and then it's like, oh yeah, Tuesday boys basketball. Let's go. Okay. At least Fairfield has a buy in their sectional, so they get a few more days to turn that around. Fairfield they... fans can definitely, yeah. Now, the bad news is they have a buy with Northwood feeding into that, and that's yeah. going to be a local rivalry in which the Panthers will be very heavily favored. Yeah. Bethany, on the other hand, gets to start its boys' basketball state tournament run tonight, and they get to do it by making a 75-minute drive east to Hamilton. Yes. Let's do these in order of size, biggest to smallest. Sure. Makes Sorry, sense. Bethany Christian. We'll save the best for last. Uh, class 4A, sectional 4, Northside Gym, the historic and venerable Northside Gym. Elkhart High. I know, okay, it's Elkhart Middle School, technically. Northside Middle School. Northside Middle School, that one too. Um, That's why they call it Northside Gym. You want to guess which side of Elkhart it's on? Southeast. Um, number 2, Penn, 23 and 1. Pretty good. Only losses to number 1, Ben Davis. In a game that they were in for the first two and a half quarters, uh, they are an enormous favorite. I believe you called them the 800-pound gorilla. That might be an underestimation. Yeah, uh, they're an elephant in this sectional, um, which is, you know, what if they in any other year this could be a really interesting sectional. You've got Northridge at 13 and 10, Warsaw 14 and 9. Goshen 11 and 11, Concord 11 and 10. They've all kind of beaten each other at different times this year. Um, like, and Elkhart struggling 6 and 16, but. Um, right. You have four teams there in the middle that are like, anyone could beat anyone. This could be fun. But it doesn't matter. And it's not going to really, it's yeah. not really going to matter. John Harrell, I don't know exactly how he does the percentage chances for his, for who comes out of that sectional, but he's got Penn as a 91%. Who's second? favorite uh, in that I didn't Warsaw? even probably War, I would have to would have to be Warsaw in the sense that they are on the opposite side of the draw um, yeah but 
that that number feels low. It does. It should, should be like a 95 or a 96. Right. 19 um, times, you know, 95%, you're saying that 19 times out of 20, Penn wins that sectional. And they yeah. only play it once. Yeah. Um, 23-1 and one Penn, Elkhart 6-16 six and 16 tonight, the first game, 6 o'clock. Um, Northridge 13-10 and 10 versus Warsaw 14-9 in the second game. So that's an interesting game, the second game. Penn will play Goshen in the Friday semifinal. We're assuming they get through Elkhart. Penn will play Goshen in the semifinal Friday at 6 p.m. Concord, 11-10, as we mentioned, gets the Northridge-Warsaw winner. And then the championship game is Saturday at 7 p.m. Sectional 4 winner plays Sectional 2 winner in the one-game regional next week. Sectional 19 at Jimtown, Class 3A. I don't Uh, think we need to really spend much more time on the 4A one. Before we get through, before we go to 3A, who is in Sectional 2? I don't know. What's Penn looking at? I don't. I mean, it's I not really our local coverage area. We do have Penn's. I think in this it's room. a re, it's the region area. Yeah, is it like not the Lake County one, but like the Michigan City one or something? I, I like that? I actually don't know, and I don't. I really don't. So we can probably figure. I mean, I know there are websites that will tell you the answer. You right. Can, you you can, can go to johnharrell.com and figure that out. You can do your IHSA.org has the brackets. Um, Class three A sectional nineteen at Jimtown. Our only coverage area team, and this is Jimtown. They play South Bend St. Joseph in the second game tonight, 7.30 p.m. approximately. First game, number two, Mishawaka Marion, 22-2 in the season against South Bend Clay, 11-11. That's not terrible for South Bend Clay. They've actually been okay this year, but Marion's pretty good on a 3A team. It's the Penn plays the crown point sectional. Okay. So Chesterton probably the favorite there. Where is? Who's the favorite? Chesterton. Chesterton? Okay. Um... Marion Clay winner plays number eight South Bend Washington, sixteen and five. So in theory, should be Marion and South Bend Washington. Uh, should be a good semifinal game. And then the Jimtown St. Joe winner gets New Prairie, and the championship game is Sunday or Saturday, sorry, at seven o'clock. Um, this feels like Marion. Big, yeah. Not as big as Penn because South Bend no. Washington's pretty good too, but. Marion's right. probably a 70% chance to win this thing, I would say. 53. 53. Well, in my heart, it's 70. Okay. Um, uh, Jim Town's been struggling all year, but they could. St. Joe's not that. St. Joe, they've had some nice wins, but some really head scratching losses. New Prairie, I can't get a read on them either. So um, They're going to hand the ball off and run to the right. Wait, wrong sport. Yes. Um, this is not your New Prairie football team, that's for sure. Uh, they play the sectional 18 winner in the regional game. Um, that that is be, not the sectional with Northwood. No, that was a big deal when that bracket came out. That is the sectional with John Glenn, Tippecanoe Valley, Knox, and Culver Academy all playing. Uh, or no, sorry, it's a five-teamer. Uh, John Glenn and Tippy Valley playing tonight. Winner of that game gets Bremen, who's 2-20. and 20, And uh, this would be an argument for seeding the sectional. Should be, Tippy, should be Tippy Valley versus Culver Academy in that final. Yeah. Two really solid teams. Tippy Valley ranked 10th in the final AP 3A poll this week. Culver had some nice game, nice wins, nice wins this year. Words. Uh, we're 43 minutes in. A lot of words. Um, Class 3A, sectional 20 at Northwood, the Panther Pit. Um, the number one team in Class 3A resides here, Northwood High School, 21 and 2. They are the opening game tonight against Wawasee. As they like to say on the IHSA network, Wawasi, 
Well, we'll see. 9-13. Could be John Everingham's last game as a head coach for the Warriors. I'm going to say, I mean, in the sense that Wawasee has the second, they're one of two teams below 500 in that sectional. The odds are pretty good that Everingham's last game at Wawasee comes this week. Yes. They they play tonight. They will play, fair. the winner of that game will play Fairfield, who's 8-14 in the second game Friday night, approximately 7.30, 7.45 p.m. start. First semifinal game, NECC battle on Friday night. Number seven, West Noble, 20-3 versus Lakeland, who is 16-7. Lakeland, third this year in the state in terms of win improvement from the regular season from last year to this year. So congratulations to the Lakers uh, on that. Unfortunately, they haven't really played well against the great teams on their schedule. They got blown out by West Noble uh, earlier in the year, same thing with Northwood. They actually are 0-4 against this entire sectional. They lost to Fairfield and Wawasee. So they are, if you take away the sectional, they're 16-3. and I was going to say, that's, uh, that looks like an awful good record for, for Harold to only have them at a 5% chance to win that sectional. But when yeah. your first game is West Noble. Uh, it's tough. May the odds be in your favor, you're going to need the luck. Championship game is 7.30 p.m. Saturday night. For the record, 7.30, not 7, 7.30. Um, if we play the on-paper game, which we love doing here, Northwood and West Oval should be playing for the championship game Saturday night. Number one versus number seven. Northwood won that game by eight points earlier this year in Liga Near. It was a competitive game. I was there. Uh, you know that West Oval wants another chance at it to knock off number one. And um, it feels like, you know, Northwood, this is... I think I've said this before on here, but this feels like a year where, you know, it should be all coming together to win one. But West Oval, too, has that same vibe, right? Austin Kripe is a senior, right? This is like his big year. Yeah. Um, that's going to be – hopefully we get that game in the final on Saturday night. It's that's a big-time teams, matchup. It's two teams that think this is their year and only one of them can go to regionals. Right. Um, that should be fun. Uh also should be fun, and maybe in a different way, Class 2A Sectional 35 at Westview. Uh, you got six teams here that it's hard to gauge who's going to be the favorite. Maybe you know who's not going to win it. Right, I was going to say, I can pull out a number six pretty easily. Sure, and probably a number five. So, tonight, two to games, quarterfinal games. Westview 14-8 and eight plays 3-19, and 19, Churubusco. Uh, and then the second game is 15-8 and eight Prairie Heights versus 12-10 and 10 Fremont. It's an interesting game there. This is all NECC schools, so the NECC, congratulations. You got a sectional champion. Um, the Westview Busco winner plays Eastside, 6 p.m. game Friday night. And then the winner of Prairie Heights, Fremont, plays Central Noble in the second game. Central Noble, 17-6. and six. Championship game, 7.30 p.m. Saturday night. Um, sectional 35 winner here will play the sectional 33 winner in a one-game regional at North Judson San Pierre. And that looks like Ileana Christian and 21st Century Academy of Gary. Gary 21st is uh, pretty good. Yeah. They're, they're playing over. I mean, it's the Whiting sectional. Whiting is kind of middle of the pack in that sectional, but never count out. The, well, I was going to say never count out the host in a sectional. I'm also looking ahead at the rundown. Mm-hmm. And we're going to find a counterexample to that. Um, yeah. Most, most hosts. Right. Unless they're, say, 0 17. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, yeah. There's a lot of uncertainty coming out of the uh, the sectional over at Westview. I mean, one of the certainties is people will show up. 
Yes, it's usually. But as far good, as who's going to win, it's usually a very competitive sectional too. Like you always mm-hmm. get good games there. Um, right. I mean, it feels like it should be Westview and Central Noble, but I mean, Westview kind of scuffled down the stretch, but then they beat Concord, like on Friday night. So I don't know. Like Brady Yoder can shoot them to a sectional championship. Yes. It's like it's going to come down to they should win tonight. That I don't think there's any worrying about Busco tonight, but. I mean, Eastside is playing better. They weren't that good early, but they figured it out. Um, Central Noble is not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Right. They're not what Fremont, they were last year, but no. But I mean, you, you lose, wouldn't be either if you lost counter Siege. Right, right. By default, they were going to be worse. Air quote. Um, and then Fremont is a twelve and ten ball club that just has had very little luck in close games. And at some point I do wonder how much of that is luck and how much of that is not an accident. Right. But they've got the talent to be better than their 12 and 10 and record. Prairie Heights probably has the best one-two punch in Isaiah Malone and Chase Batchelor. So like you got two guys right there and both could go off and you never know. So it, it's, it really does feel like Westview, Prairie Heights, Fremont, Central Noble, Throw them in a hat, pick one out, and that's going to be your sectional champion. Yeah. Uh, and Eastside even lingering there with a bye. You never know. Right. So. Eastside, they're certainly not favored, but they're certainly not look-overable. Right. That's not a word, but I just made it one. That's fine. I knew what you meant. Um, and then finally, Class 1A sectional 51 at Hamilton. I found a clear number five in this sectional, Austin. <sighs> I did too. Um, Bethany Christian, 13 and 10. Nice season so far. It's 0-17 Hamilton tonight, 7 o'clock. Long drive. Long drive to get some exercise for the Bruins. Um, The winner of that game plays Elkhart Christian Academy in the second game Friday night around 7.30, 7.45-ish. Right. Uh, Game, the first semifinal game Friday, Lakeland Christian, 18-5 against Lakewood Park Christian, 9-13, 6 p.m. Two schools I love confusing in my head because it's Lakeland and Lakewood. And then throw and Christian, and then throw regular Lakeland in there as well. Championship game Saturday, seven thirty p.m. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Bethany will win tonight, and then they play ECA, who beat them earlier in the season. So while the records would say Bethany Christian versus Lakeland Christian, there's going to be some hesitancy there to right. pencil that in for the final because ECA did win the regular season game against Bethany, cost them the outright Hoosier Plains Conference title. Right. I'm. I mean. Yes, it is easy to look past Hamilton tonight. I talked to head coach Daniel Mast on Thursday before the Fremont game, and he wanted them, of course, make very clear that he was not doing that because the moment you start doing that, you let things that are unpleasant and not good creep into your game, and it doesn't pay off down the, in the long run. Having said that, they won the regular season game by 30. So you sort of you, you put that behind you. You look at, at the semifinals Friday night, and I feel like there's a 1A, a 1B, a 3A, a 3B, but... It, I mean, none of these four teams coming out of this sectional would surprise me. With the exception of Fremont bouncing up and down, this is a sectional that's pretty stable between 1A and 2A. This is, the rest of that sectional is pretty stable. They're all, with the exception of Hamilton, they're all Christian schools. Honestly, if the Hoosier Plains Conference didn't exist, you could look at those schools forming their own conference. Mm-hmm. Um, they're familiar with each other. They don't exactly care for each other, uh, but you know what you're getting. And that makes, it's honestly, it's a lot like the 2A sectional, except that we're talking about Christian schools over a wider area rather than a bunch of public NECC schools. Um, yep. 
and certainly Bethany and Lakeland Christian both think they're the favorites. Again, only one of them can go to regionals. Um, and maybe maybe the boys team just captures the magic that the girls team had. Saw Bethany some, Christian boys making a run. That's an actual Cinderella story. Right. Again, no offense to the boys team. Somebody. Like, well, it's a, thirteen and ten. Right. Thirteen and ten. Um, that's a team that's probably got three or four games that they lost that they feel like they could have won, so they won't feel like it's a Cinderella story. On the right. other hand, you're going to come out of your sectional at that point at 16 and 10. Um, mm-hmm. And it is a whole lot easier to look down your nose at somebody who is 16 and 10 than somebody who is 18 and 5. Exactly. And, you know, the good thing for Bethany Christian is, I mean, what? Basically, the entire roster comes back next year. They right, one they graduate senior. one senior who's played in four games. Right. And they've got one, but then the trade-off is the next year. Right now, that, that roster has one... They've got all four classes represented on the sectional roster because they have one senior, they have one sophomore, and they have a freshman they brought up from the JV. The other nine are all juniors. Yeah. So it's a... You know, it's a... I think everyone wants the rubber match... Bethany, Lakeland Christian. I mean, those um, two schools do. Right. Al- Lakewood Park right. and Elkhart Christian don't. Those two schools and the casual fans slash journalists like me, Bethany won the first game on a game-winning goaltend. Lakeland Christian then won the tournament game. Very close game. Came down to the final seconds. So you've had Bethany two had really a shot good games. to win that game. They did. go in. They had, they've had uh, two really good competitive games, both back in December. So... Um, you, you, you want to see that rematch. so And that will be at 7.30 on Saturday, and there will not be a live stream. That's exciting. Not it's the part really, that will be a live really stream. really, really exciting. Because it means you have to drive to Hamilton to see it. I know. Okay. That's boys basketball. We'll have a, all the reaction to that next week. Let's talk about Goshen College sports. We don't have a Goshen College or Maple Leaf Minute this week. Uh because everyone that does that thing was in New York this past weekend, winning awards for 91.1 The Globe and Goshen College. And uh, so congratulations to, I know Dante Stanton won some ones, Amelia Lee won some ones. I, I don't want to miss anyone. Seth Kaufman. Uh, I Alyssa see him? McDonald I saw was on Alyssa that McDonald. list. Um, Seth, Seth definitely, I mean, there were definitely, then there were more folks that got nominated, that went, that learned stuff, but don't come home with big trophies. Uh, and again, it's one of those, I mean, having been to that conference, uh, the th- you can't overstate, trophies are cool, but you can't overstate the stuff you learn from other people in the college radio biz while you're there. Also, those of you in Goshen that have seen Jason Samuel walk around like a rock star have not seen him walk around like a rock star like he does when he is at a college radio conference. That's, <laughs> that is really a sight to behold. Um, but yes, it means that we do not have a Maple Leaf Minute this week. But luckily, we got you. Yeah, we can talk about stuff. But hey, we've they, already you guys been... have had some uh, couple awards, conference awards this week for Goshen College. How about yes. that? Eric Petapiece, who, among other things, one of my student workers. Um, and he, a great name. Just a great name, Great by the name. Way. Also, a pretty decent left-handed pitcher. He's leading the Crossroads League with 14.9 strikeouts per nine innings right now. Is that good? Yes. Okay. He had 11 punch-outs in a... I was reminded not to call it a complete game shutout because shutouts, by definition, are complete games. Uh, but he struck out 11 Brescia Bearcats on Saturday in the series opener. Uh, first conference pitcher of the week for the Maple Leafs in, well, five years on the calendar, really four years because we had COVID in there. Um, but Colby four, Molson. Four seasons. Yes. Colby Molson, an 
Chandler Ingle both did that in 2018. Chandler, I think, was actually a very similar deal, had kind of the start of his life in a spring break game where there was not a whole lot of competition elsewhere in the league. And, man, when you're voting on those conference awards, it's really hard to look past those, like this is the best week he's ever had kind yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. And then men's volleyball also got Hassan Hajic. Hajic? Hajic. Is how you pronounce That's it? How you pronounce it. He's Hassan, I would have said Had- Hadzik. Hajish? Hajish. Hajish. Um, he is... From Bosnia. He's from Bosnia. He's a transfer from Long Island, Brooklyn. He got caught in the fun of the NIA eligibility center. He became eligible on Tuesday last week, and on Wednesday, he came out and hit a bunch of volleyballs really hard. He, I saw one of the serves. That was... <laughs> woo, watch out. That Boom. man will hurt you. I think it landed because I heard it land, but I didn't see it land. He's six foot nine. It's yeah, and he lives in somebody's basement, I'm told. Which is just fun because basements and six foot nine are not a great combination. Not my basement, for the record. Not my basement either. That I'm aware of. Right. Yeah. I know. I think it's probably closer to the campus than where you live. Uh, That tends to be the pattern. I'm pretty close to the campus. Yeah. Um, Not that far. But uh, he finished with 57 kills last week as Goshen. So they beat St. X in five. Xavier. St. Saint, Saint Xavier, that, that team yeah. from over on the south side of Chicago land. They used, Illinois. To, have a, used to have a campus in Chicago. They had this thing called the Great Chicago Fire. They had to rebuild. Uh, that was 150 years ago. Yes. Um, but not, the school's, the, not the soccer team. The school's been around. No, that, that would be the decidedly less than great They're Chicago not that great. Fire. They won the MLS Cup their first year, and that's about it. Uh, they were pretty good for a few years there. But, yeah, they have been kind of a dumpster. I went to their playoff game in 2017. Why? Because I had a friend who... Had tickets and I went with them. It was fun. Reasonable despite enough. The, despite the three nothing loss and it being cold, it was it was entertaining. Who'd they play? I don't remember. Houston, maybe. I'm gonna look it up. Talk about Hassan. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so five set win over Saint X on Wednesday last week. Then somehow we got a Friday Saturday double dip against Lords. Friday game in Goshen. Saturday game in Ohio. Uh, won the first set. Second set was nip and tuck. Third set. Was not nip and tuck. A little bit of self-destruction involved there. Fourth set, you know, you would think if you took out the third set, you'd had three tight sets and you'd have been down two sets to one. Unfortunately, the third set also counts. And then Lawrence won in three on Saturday. But Hassan finishes with 57 kills in 12 sets. Uh, making Pretty up good. Lost time. For the record, the Chicago Fire lost to everyone's favorite energy drink, the Red Bulls. 4-0. New York Red Bulls, 4-0 at home. 4-0. 4-0. The Fire were the three seed. The, the Red Bulls were the six seed. Lost 4-0 at home. Yes. That's uh, very sad. So they got their wings in the sense that they became angels, and they kind of died from the playoff scene and became angels. Um, sure. We'll but, go with that. Yeah. Then, um, of course, because we all need more baseball and softball in our lives on this final day of February, uh, baseball is at Thomas More in suburban Cincinnati right now. There, it was 2 o'clock first pitch. Uh, softball this is, is two, it, it's 221 right as of this second that we're champing the podcast for the record softball is playing Florida Memorial in Florida right they went down to the USSSSSSSSSS I think it's three S's a Space Coast Classic in Melbourne Florida lost twice to national qualifier Michigan Dearborn yesterday they are playing Florida Memorial right now and I don't know a whole lot about Florida Memorial but Goshen's up six to nothing in the fourth inning um and then we've got indoor track nationals. Oh, uh, finishing that thought. Baseball is supposed to be at home this weekend. They've got a scheduled home opener on Saturday when it's supposed to be 36 degrees. I will believe that when it happens. 
Um, but then we also got track nationals this weekend. And that, it's a little bit of running in circles. There's some jumping involved. Uh, but it's the most national qualifiers are tied for it that Goshen's ever had. And it's hard not to feel good about that. Yep. And in, in another place that loves the cold, Brookings, South Dakota. Exciting national championship venue. There's a there's a high school indoor track meet at Trine on Saturday. Concord's going to do it. I'm not looking, you know, no. Running in, running in tighter circles than usual. I, no. Mentally, no. Yeah. That's also the other side effect of not one, but two girls basketball teams going to state. This past weekend would have been a great week to be like, hey, let's catch right. up on all of our spring sports email, co- coaches' emails, and let's get ready for right. prepping the spring sports tab. Nope. One of the interesting dynamics of the differences between high school and college is that in high school you get, unless you go to state, you get a little bit of a break between your seasons. In college, your seasons overlap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm yeah. just looking here. So we had 10, Goshen had 10 entries qualify for nationals. Eight of them are running the other two are kind of load management and you know if you're seated highly in two of them and not in the third don't run in the third so you can save your energy i'm looking at just looking down through here and honestly i see a fair especially on a men's side fair number of local products uh looking at that four by 800 relay team jordan garlinger okay indiana but not super local drew hogan remember him anthony roberts remember him no yes you do They've been on our podcasts. That's why I asked if you remembered them. Vaguely. Who Um, are they again? Refresh my memory. No. Don't uh, refresh my memory. And then Kevin Liddell from South Bend uh, is the fourth fourth leg of that 4x800 relay team in the the 4,000 meter men's distance medley relay. You've got Hogan, Roberts, Garlinger, and Samuel Stoner Eby coming in. He's from Pennsylvania. Samuel is. Um, And then you've got... Uh, you've also got a third men's entry. Oh, Nelson Kemboy is the 16th seed in the men's 3,000. And the thing that jumped out to me when I was putting this together, uh, Goshen's highest seeds are actually on the women's side. There's a DMR team that's seeded 8th. And a, a Summer Cooper from Concord is 10th in the women's 3K and 12th in the women's mile. Uh, not only are there entries at nationals, but there are eight top 16 seeds out of those 10 entries. Mm-hmm. It's pretty uh, good. Top eight are All-Americans, which actually means you get 32 All-Americans in the relays, but again, not consulted on that decision. Um, and that action all starts Thursday. The relays all start on Thursday. Uh, so 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, and I'm sure that Justin DeWeese is feverishly working on something right now, and it might even be a track preview. Well, he's not answering annoying emails from his statistician right now because I'm on the podcast with you. Yeah, he's probably like, thank God Tony's an hour you know, away from his computer. Yeah. But we all have computers on our phones now. So. Yes, we do. Um, all right. I kind of just want to end the show, to be honest. I don't know if... I have a couple Notre Dame notes, but... Well, we should probably talk... I mean, they're women... The women did win the ACC, because North Carolina beat Duke, and Notre Dame pulled a comeback victory against Louisville on Sunday. Right. Good for them. That's awesome. So they're staring at a potential rematch with Louisville in the ACC final. Uh, but I think the... Okay, decidedly smaller gorilla because Olivia Miles isn't that big. Is the whole deal about what's up yeah. with her? It seems like she is still day to day. Honestly, if I'm Notre Dame, like I don't, I don't even try to play her this week if it's going to be definitely not on Friday. Right, like winning the ACC tournament is important, but it's not life. It's not that important. They won the conference in the regular season. That's more, I think, a bigger deal. 
You're already going into the tournament. They're going right. to be hosting the first round. Body of work. I mean, it's, a cool, a, fe- it's a cool feather to have in your cap, but body of work is more important. And, without, and with how this women's tournament setup works, you know, they play this week. Then they're going to have all of next week off and most of the following week after that off, too, because they won't start playing until Friday or Saturday. And then they're going to be, I mean, if they're hosting, they're a top four seed and it's kind of a pushover game on Friday or Saturday. Right. So, like, you know. They're, they will have off, guaranteed, from right. Monday the 6th to Thursday the 16th, no matter what. And then the women's tournament, you know, they either play the Friday the 17th or Saturday the 18th at home, in theory, against a 14th seed or a 13th seed. And a game you can win, in theory, without Olivia Miles, you could... Take her, make her, let her take two weeks off. Yeah, three weeks. Like the ACC tournament, it's important, but it's not as important as the NCAA tournament. Right. You'd rather have her for that. Now it should be noted, of course, that Neil Ivy gets to make that decision, not you. Yeah. Uh, if I were, if I were Neil Ivy. Right. You're not. Um, no. But I mean, the Irish hope they have miles to go before they sleep, and they hope they've got miles to go before they sleep, and because we all need more Robert Frost in our podcasts, right? Okay. Mike, um, Mike Bray. Yeah, men, other end of the spectrum. Really bad. Um, Mike Bray's last home game Wednesday night against Pittsburgh. The Irish men are 10 and 19 overall, 2 and 16 in the ACC. You remember when they beat Michigan State on November 30th, Wednesday night, really late game? ACC Big Ten Challenge? Yeah, the last ever one. Oh, right. We've got that. In fact, the Big Ten Women's Championship will be the last Big Ten game on ESPN. Mm-hmm. That's coming up so, next week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That. Anyway, Mike Bray, God bless him. Apparently, he wants to coach still, which Did, is fine. I mean, a solid career at Notre Dame over the past, what is it, 19 years? 20, 20 something. Something. 22. He's been there for a long time. He's had some success. He took him to the Elite Eight. He stayed out of the police blotter. That's important. I mean, no, the reality is so Notre Dame football is Notre Dame football, Notre Dame women's basketball is Notre Dame women's basketball. Uh, frankly, I think Notre Dame women's basketball is what the football team wishes it was. In terms of success, yes. yes. Um, Notre Dame men's basketball is sort of throw some peaks in there and try not to create any valleys. And he has, by and large, done that pretty well until the last year or so. Yeah. Um, Notre Dame hockey, Big Ten quarterfinal this weekend. Yeah, against Michigan at home. Michigan State, I thought. I think it's just Michigan. It's one of those schools, and I'm sure They're, they have a nice website that will tell you. They do, und.com. UND.com. Right. And Notre Dame um, baseball was at UAB. Yes. Notre Dame baseball, not as good as they were last year, but they're okay. It's early. But again, number one, you don't win championships in February and March. Right. Number two, of course they're not going to be as good as they were last year. I mean, last year being, kind of, again, kind of a Cinderella story. Right. Um, and also, for the people at home, IU beat Purdue in men's basketball again. I'm sure some people are. some people love that. Some people don't love that. You know why when the ceiling falls apart at Assembly Hall, they don't bring in the engineers from Purdue to help put it back up? Why? Because the engineers from Purdue aren't familiar with how to support the weight of championship banners. That's what I've been told. Hey-o. Yes. Also, Fran McCaffrey stared daggers into a referee's soul, and Iowa had the craziest comeback of the year. Yeah, as a longtime Hawkeye fan for reasons predating and unrelated to Fran McCaffrey, it would be so great if he could develop a sense of, I'm not going to make this situation any better. Let's just move on. He hasn't. Um, also, shout out the IU women's basketball team winning the Big Ten championship 
And the only reason why they lost on Sunday is because Caitlin Clark is pretty darn good. Yeah, that that would be another case of I know Maryland's going to have some something to say about that. They'll run into Iowa in the semifinals, but IU and Iowa both looking forward to round three in the Big Ten tournament this weekend, and for some reason that is in Minneapolis. I'm sure the Timberwolves, you know, uh, jer- I'm sure the Timberwolves Arena is a nice facility. Yeah, but would you rather be get the whole Big Ten together in Indianapolis or Chicago or Minneapolis? Um, those first two options. At least it's not in D.C. like it was that or one. Or New York. Or New York, Madison Square Garden. Because Rutgers. Because Rutgers. And it was in D.C. because of Maryland. Because we all need more Rutgers in our lives. Incidentally, it's Rutgers University. How much is a single Rutger? Do we have an answer to that question? No. The current ESPN bracketology has Rutgers playing Mizzou in an 8-9 men's basketball tournament matchup, in case anyone's wondering. Oh, those with, are, with the one seed being Kansas. Uh, I was going to say, those 8-9 games tend to be of great interest to the schools involved because you get a shot at the one seed, and then you get a shot at the one seed, and you remember why they're a one seed. Yeah, Mizzou-Kansas second round. I know Mizzou got killed by them earlier this year, but that would be fun. I feel like a tiger and a Jayhawk in real life advantage would be to the Tigers, but on the basketball Jayhawk's court. not a real animal. Yeah, that's why the tiger would have an advantage. Okay. But on the basketball court, pretty clearly favoring. I mean, the court's named for the dude who invented the sport in Kansas. Yeah. Okay, that's it for this week's podcast. Thank you, Tony, for coming in. Always Thank appreciate it. Um, what a great week it was for Elkhart County sports. Um, state champions, state runners up. Uh, just great stuff overall. Let's make it another great week. Let's, yeah, amen. We will be back next week to talk about everything that happened in the boys' basketball scene and then some. So, till then.